Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with friends and I have a new friend, Ryan Orico. Ryan is someone I started following on Instagram a couple years back when I was tagged on one of his posts. And let's just say he was a fascinating and entertaining and slightly polarizing individual in the yoga world. He is a yoga teacher, not teaching currently, but was teaching then. And he had a lot to say about it and has a lot to say about it on our talk today. Welcome, Ryan. Good to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me on the show today. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, Ryan is like a new but old friend. We haven't actually ever met, but I started watching Ryan or watching Ryan's Instagram probably about two years ago. And you immediately caught my eye because of your nature. You remind me so much of like my high school friends who are still some of my dearest friends. And and I mean that in the best way, like this really fun, cynical, don't take anybody too seriously attitude, which was at the time, and it still remains, super refreshing for the platform of Instagram, which is super curated and lovely. And it tends to like give a little snapshot of, hey, look what I'm doing and aren't I fabulous? And and you you got on there and can you just talk us through like, how did you get onto Instagram and start deciding that you wanted to um, ruffle some feathers? I don't think it was necessarily intentional or maybe it was. I have no idea. Let's let's hear your story. Sure. Yeah. I hated Instagram for most of the time that I've been on it. Um, I don't know if hate's the right word. I didn't I didn't use it. I didn't really resonate with it. I, I was more of a words kind of a guy. So I tended to go more to Facebook. And this was, you know, I signed up for Instagram right when it launched in 2010 or 2011. I didn't use it for a while. And then when I eventually started teaching yoga. Uh, that's where everyone was. It just felt 
when I first started teaching, I was really, you know, nervous about being a teacher. I had imposter syndrome and all those things. And I didn't really know how to promote my classes. This was in Los Angeles. It's really hyper competitive. I was in the most competitive part of the most competitive city when it comes to yoga and yoga classes and stuff. So I realized at some point that I had to get on there, but I didn't like it at all because I never really felt good about my yoga practice and the way that it looked. I've always been a fairly stiff person. I was teaching yoga for other reasons, not really so much the benefits to the body, but I didn't like the way that I looked when I did stuff. So I just was like, man, I don't want to do that because then people will see that I suck at doing yoga poses and stuff, you know? So so I didn't. And I didn't for a few years. I mean, I would post occasionally just kind of just like the bare minimum, but I didn't have any real idea what I was doing with it. And then we were just discussing this for a second before we started about my mom. Uh, she got cancer. She was diagnosed with uh, a terrible form of ovarian cancer in 2015. She died in 2016. And I'm not sure, 100% sure that it was the impetus, but I felt like after she died, I, I sort of got, I was just angry. I was just like angrier at people. I've, I've always sort of been a little outspoken, but I just got kind of pissed off and students who were coming to my classes at the time were even, you know, some would take me aside after and be like, dude, what the fuck's going on? You know? But, um, I, I mean, I was never like a full out dick, but I was just, just angrier. And, and then I, I just became sort of jaded with the yoga scene in general. I, I would, I got friendly with a lot of the teachers around LA and it was, it was these weird things where like I would go to their class and then they would say things in, in the class. And then I would end up like meeting them out somewhere and they're like they're like a completely different person and, and it always weirded me out like i was always like I, I, it was hard to even it's hard to even explain what i felt but i was always just annoyed talking to yoga teachers because i felt like they were full of shit and at this point i had a bunch of people i was I, I had started training with hunter cook of the frc world and then i got certified in frc and then i started kind of incorporating some of my frc you know, my new love for FRC and these ideas into my classes, was talking about that on Instagram. And people started asking me about what I was doing and they wanted to kind of see how I was making it work. And they were asking me to make a video. So I was really nervous about making a video of me teaching, partially for the same reason I didn't want to post on Instagram because I didn't like the way that I looked when I did stuff. I never taught private yoga, even though I had crazy requests for it because I didn't want to have to be in front of someone one-on-one and like demonstrate how to do warrior two or something because I know that I'm this whole, it was this horrible. Um, so I just refused all private stuff. Um, so anyway, so people wanted to see a video of me teaching and I didn't have one, was nervous to make one, but I wanted to make one because I knew I could make a bunch of money selling a video on the internet. So I started making these videos of myself just talking on Instagram, just posting 60 second videos of me just talking about whatever I was thinking about or whatever opinions I had that day. And that became a thing after a little while. It was just me starting it for me to practice getting over my fear of the camera so that I can make a video of myself teaching and then sell it. But but the talking video became more interesting to me than yoga anymore. And that was the beginning of my transition out of teaching public classes when was when the talking videos started blowing up. I did that for about a month. And then I made the video of myself um, teaching and I sold a bunch of copies. I pre-sold a bunch. I, we still make sales of that thing. I, I don't even know where it is or how I'm making money. But people still buy it. So I don't know how, where I'm going with this story at this point. I feel like I'm talking for a long time, but that, but, oh, so I'm, why I started doing what I was doing on Instagram. And it was actually during the filming of the video, like live, you can see it in the lot, in the, in the video of me teaching 
this actually happening. There's a girl who was, I had three students like participating, like, uh, you know, demonstrating and stuff. And one of them, uh, I didn't really know that she was like an Ashtanga person. I, I, I kind of knew, but I, she, she talked about it more that day before we started. And then during the class, she said something, I gave them a moment to pause. And I said something like, if you want to take a sip of water or whatever, do, do your thing. And then she just said like, we're not allowed to drink water in Ashtanga classes. And then I, I was like, what do you mean you're not allowed to drink water? And, it, and there's like, there's a conversation that's still in the video about this. And, and then when I got done that day, I was, for some reason that really annoyed me, this like idea that this person went to a, she goes to a class where they're, they're literally not allowed to drink water. And then I, and I kind of researched Ashtanga and looked more into it. I had no idea really what it was or anything at the time. And then I saw all these crazy pictures of like people just jamming other people into these wild positions and like tearing their fucking head off, trying to like extend their back. And then I made some posts about it and I just started kind of like throwing rocks at that whole idea and just how, how could you be so foolish to do something like this, you know? And it got a lot of attention. More I love, that's actually, I think that's when I actually started or was somehow somebody tagged you and said, he's like, he's like you, he's saying the same stuff you are. Um, but then I looked at what you were doing. I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly, but I, you're doing it in such a ballsy way. I love it because you're like, what in the hell are these people like, you know, straddling these women or taking somebody's foot and forcing it behind their head. It was just craziness in a public class. It's just nuts. And I think probably you were really one of the first to like call it out in a big way. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, there was definitely people talking about it, you know, and how crazy it was, but I, I was just doing it a little bit differently. I think that was one of the reasons that my stuff on yoga or my stuff on Instagram about yoga probably caught your eye and other people's eyes. Not only is the sort of realness or whatever rawness of posting unedited videos kind of different for Instagram, but with yoga, there's an expectation about what a yoga teacher is and and what they're supposed to be like and how they're supposed to talk and how they are supposed to behave. And even if you don't teach yoga or do yoga, you know what that is. Like you, you sort of like think of yoga and you know. Before I started taking it and stuff in in LA, I thought it was just weirdo hippie granola chimes and stuff like that so even for mainstream people because i had a kind of a broad audience of people who were not necessarily into yoga but for them to be able to watch me be this crazy psycho yelling as a yoga teacher at other yoga teachers was entertaining for people even without caring about yoga because it's just I think the, there's such a crazy juxtaposition. Yeah, I think I think so too. And I mean, this is why your stuff has always resonated with me because you know I've been doing this for like 25 years and been a little bit of um, an alternative route for people because I also never bought into this that you have a yoga voice. Like I'm like I'm the same person teaching as I am on the street, and it always would bother. Me. Well, I think it would bother us in any way, but something about yoga too is like it's it's almost been become like this religious cult and, you know, where you have this sage on the stage and you have this audience and you can tell them whether they can drink or whether they can do this. And, and then there's, it's, uh, it's a really weird power dynamic that um, I always found very odd and didn't buy into. Cause I was like, uh, we're all, we're all learning together here. And I, but I found that when I started doing things differently, people who really liked that, who really are in a way like to be sheep, 
did not like that I was doing something different functional mobility wise saying like, that's actually not a really good sustainable um, movement to do in yoga. And they'd be like, but this is what my teacher told me. And this is the lineage. And I'm like, I don't really care. You know, it doesn't matter. Like that might've worked for a 12 year old Indian boy who was doing this daily, but that's not you. And that's not most people. And to put that as a, um, on a, like this pedestal that we should be striving for is, uh, meets this very, just puts you in this lane of, it's not even machismo because these are females too, but it's like this perfectionism quality that you can't ever meet. And so it's like, it, it's it, yoga in that, I can't even imagine, I've only been into yoga in LA one time and I found it like very funny. I went into yoga works and I mean, it was like a, it was like a production, you know, you come in and it's like, everybody is looking a certain way and hustling around and the mats, you know, come in, you know, of course the regulars have their mats in a place and nobody's looking at each other and talking. And when I had my studio, when I first opened it, I was like, I'm going to have my, that door and you can come in anytime. I don't care if you're 20 minutes late, as long as you don't disturb people, because I don't know what's going on in your life. And I never want to make you feel less than, and I always want to make you feel welcome. And if the worst thing I have to do is quiet people down because they're having so much fun talking at the beginning of class, that's awesome. I, I disliked this feeling of like walking in to a church or something, but even worse, because church, you kind of know what you're going to get. This feeling like you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't talk to somebody. You're going to, some people are going to be like doing handstands and at the beginning of class just to make sure you know, like keep your eyes on me. It's just a weird showiness. Yeah. And I think that people like you, um, especially in that scene, I can imagine you must have many stories that like, yeah, you just, maybe after your mom's death, you're like, you know what? Fuck, I've seen like some really dark stuff and I'm tired of this superficial bullshit that is not actually benefiting people, but is making people feel worse about themselves in some ways. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, there's a lot there. I, I think, you know, wh when I really think about it, when my mom died, I don't even necessarily know that I was just, just angry, but I think I felt mortality became more real to me and then the idea that I might die and then I didn't say what I felt like I, I needed to say, that was painful to me. So then I was just like, fuck that. I may as well just start saying it. And, and that's what I started doing. Um, but yeah, the, the yoga scene in LA, I, you know, I wasn't even angry that I was like trying to tell people how they should do yoga. I, I, I never really took it. I, I never really had an opinion about the way that it should be done or whatever. Really the only scene that I know is the sort of crazy LA one. I came up in a, in a studio there that was sort of, um, they're close, they compete highly with yoga works in West Los Angeles. It was an independently owned studio called Maha Yoga. Uh, lots of controversy and crazy stuff about people there. But it was very, the guy, so the, the founder is his name, Steve Ross. And Steve Ross, a lot of people know him because he had a show on Oxygen for a while and, and and the whole, his whole thing was like playing loud contemporary music. He was doing this like in the early nineties at yoga works. And, um, so th that was the scene. It was just like, you, this class starts with the most recent top single on billboard 40, like as loud as it can possibly be. And then you just, that's how the class started. And that attracted a lot of different types of people. And I, I loved it. I thought, I thought it was cool. I, I sort of like being affiliated with that renegade studio that other like more serious studios didn't like. And I think the students there also felt the same way, but it, it was 
when I started learning more about yoga and then taking other classes at places like Yoga Works and then going to what people would consider a more serious teacher, uh, I and then and then becoming friends with those teachers, I, I understand that I understand a performance. Like I understand, you know, it's important to perform, and on, and we all perform all the time anyway. So it's not like it's bad for a yoga teacher to do something different in a yoga class. But I what I noticed in conversation is that they were they were just lie i felt like they were just lying in the way they presented their beliefs and the and and it was like deeper stuff than just if they use a yoga voice or not in the class and that started to annoy me and then once i started realizing i for, first for myself like i i practiced yoga for for i don't know 7 years or so before i was just like you know what this actually has made me move worse like I, I am less mobile now after seven years of doing yoga than I was before I started. Like my squat, when I would just do a squat with a bar on my back, I felt way worse after seven years of yoga than I did before. And that was uh, annoyed me. Um, so once I realized how... So, so who is, who, how, what was the like impetus to change that? Did you do it on your own or did you find the functional movement, um, the FRC? Yeah, well, I, I was actually a... a personal trainer a long time ago, I had a gym before I moved to LA and Chicago. And I was pretty hip to like, you know, smart training stuff. I was studying all of that stuff for a really long time. But it's crazy how once I start fell into yoga, I almost forgot. Like I almost stopped paying as much attention as I did before. Um, but what I think really set me off and what made me realize was seeing videos of, of Hunter Cook. Um, which if you don't know Hunter, you should look him up, Hunter Fitness on Instagram. He's an FRC guy. And he, I liked him because he just looked like a normal dude. He had like long hair and a beard, and he was like big and lifting heavier stuff, and also doing these crazy things, these crazy demonstrations of mobility. And Hunter had a gym in Long Beach, and one day I just hit him up and I asked him if like if he is taking clients. I didn't even know if I'd be able to afford whatever it was, and we talked. I actually went to the FRC certification shortly after I sent him a message because I knew he was going to be there because I wanted to meet him and just like you know grease him up a little bit so I could become a client. And then I did. I just started training with Hunter. Uh, this was like a New Year's Eve of 2016. So I trained with him for a while and it was it was that process. FRC definitely was what gave me of it helped me find the voice I wanted to use to talk about yoga. I think uh, there's a lot that they do really, really well. There's a lot there's a lot of pushback on the system because it is very like like if there's a there's a system and a, and a clear path, which I think is what people want. That's why it's so successful, is because of the things that a lot of people don't like. But it was it was like the the found, the creators, uh, Andreo Spina, his voice w- w- really resonated with me because it's just like he's you do it this way or you're fucking it up. And I he I think he understands like he he's a really smart guy. He understands the nuance and he's smarter about the body than most people. And if you meet him in person, he will he's more likely to fix you than anybody else, but he understands what gets attention and what helps a good message spread. And I think he uses those tools effectively. Uh, But it was FRC definitely was what, if there was a single thing, it was finding that, that helped me realize. Did you, when you started teaching and implementing that, did you have pushback from people? Like this isn't really yoga. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I first came, like it's like the seminar thing, you go to a seminar and you get back on Monday and you just like, think you know everything. Um, and I and I totally changed my class, and I lost. I mean, I pretty much burned down my whole. I had a successful, popular class at six a.m., and then I started 
you know, doing the stupid cars right away, making people do all these circles and shit. And they were like, dude, this is not what I want. And, uh, for a while I stuck with it and I was like, you fuck it, you, you know, go uh, find the people who want it will find it. That wasn't, that wasn't working. Like, it, I don't think that's always true. Like just do the thing and the people will find you because they love you. I think there's more to it than that. I think there is something to be said for the, when people first find you giving them the thing, you got to meet them somewhere in the middle. You can't just, expect them to love this thing but but yeah initially i started with too much and they hated it tons of people left i had i was built thankfully i was building an email list throughout the whole time so i just was able to email them i'm like yeah i know i fucked that up i'm sorry i'm I'm still gonna do some of that stuff but i changed i'm changing it it will be you'll like it and then people started coming back um but this was also right around the time when i was shifting away I, I knew even when i started teaching yoga that i didn't want to keep teaching yoga classes forever i wanted to build something get some street cred from teaching like build a name and then move to selling stuff on the internet this is kind of the thing i've always done so it was about that time i, I was about ready to phase out so it was okay but uh, i definitely felt pain when i first changed stuff did you naturally want to um market to yoga teachers or do you just knew having been one how much yoga teachers needed help in that realm. Because I think that your services and this, I know that you're still doing that and that you've, you're doing something, you're like somebody that's always, I can tell, recreating yourself because you're curious and that's amazing. And I, I also really admire that. But um, did you, was it like an aha moment? Like yoga people really, yoga teachers really need this? Or was it just like, that was the market that you were in and you were just going to yeah. try it out? I just saw an opportunity, really. Uh, it, it, I knew that there was nobody else really speaking about marketing in an interesting way. Like I, I was on some email lists of other people who I think at the time, they were sort of well-known in selling marketing stuff. And I would get their emails. And I'm like, dude, this is, fucking, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And they were apparently selling tons of courses and stuff. So I made a, a webinar thing called Yoga Marketing That Doesn't Suck. And that was the first first thing that I did. And I kind of just... Once I, I sold, it was a bunch of people came out live and then I was going to sell the video, but I was kind of embarrassed by the video. So I, I didn't sell the recording after until it was, it was during a training session with Hunter. He just, there was a series of events and he's like, dude, you should just sell that thing for 50 bucks or whatever. So I did. And then a bunch of people started buying it. And then I, once I had a bunch of customers then I made a more expensive thing for them and that sort of turned into what it turned into. The problem with yoga teachers though, is they don't really have very much money. you know. And, and there's not very, very many of them that even have enough to. There's, it's hard to build a business teaching business to yoga teachers yeah. because they don't. There's, there's, they not only do they not make enough money because they're they're afraid to, to promote themselves or whatever, but they also just have weird things about money and like energy stuff and what it means and all this and and uh, it gets it gets a little annoying and, and yeah. generally like they're generally annoying they're, they're annoying <laughs> most of them are annoying. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. So, well, so what is your? Who are you appealing to now? Like after you've, because like you said, I think it's a limited base for sure. You know, when you look at fitness professionals, that's a much bigger market. Do you also sure. reach out to them? And in, in this, does this marketing course uh, would that benefit fitness professionals as well? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I, I started with fitness professionals. I moved to LA because I was posting fitness marketing advice on Twitter, and then this. I got a hotshot trainer there, saw my tweets. This is like early Twitter days when it wasn't really noisy. And then we started DMing on Twitter. And then I eventually moved to LA to work with her on her stuff. It was Valerie Waters. She was a wow. celebrity trainer and stuff. And um, 
I did that for, she's the one that introduced me to, to, to a form of yoga that I could love, which I, I ended up teaching. I forget what your question was. Oh, just like, just marketing to professional. This is the squirrel. That's why I love, uh, we're going to get to squirrel in a minute. Cause I'm always like squirrel, like <laughs> what was the, what was the question? <laughs> so, so yeah, it started with fitness. So that was what I knew. I understood how to speak to, you know, the end user of a fitness product or service or whatever. Um, so that's what I started with. And then I, then I moved into yoga, did it with yoga, but I still attract lots and lots of sort of more fitness minded people. There's actually not a lot of people left now who are, well, there probably are, but just in the world that I operate in who are just outright, I'm a yoga teacher. They all have the, a copy, they're all like, I'm a yoga teacher, but I'm smart. I'm, I don't do this. You know, like, they, they are functional mobility yoga. Te- like everyone is now, they're like, they're like they're trying to create a little bit of distance between them and I think what they perceive other people to think about yoga. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen like with the pandemic and of course yoga works and all these big studios closing and uh, many studios will not, I don't think make it because it's just, even if they can go back to some degree, it's so many studios rely on, you know, regular, amount of customers coming in to pay the bills. Uh, what, what do you think that's going to do on, for the yoga landscape? Do you think that it's going to really, I mean, a lot of people are going online, but if they don't have marketing skills, if they don't have some of these technology skills, uh, there's, you know, there's going to be some problems with that. What is your, do you have any, like looking at a little um, fortune ball, like what you could say, do you think it's going to happen in the yoga world? Well, I mean, I think eventually like things will get worked out and people will start going back to studios and stuff. And I, I don't know that it'll ever be like when I was when I was teaching the studio that I taught at, my classes occasionally were like this, but the, the really big name teachers there, I mean, the mats would be like on top of each other, you know, like 90 people in a room, two people on a mat, like in crazy. That's probably not going to happen for a little while. I think this is just going to be, gen- it will be socially unacceptable to allow that even when it's okay. So I think, you know, there will be people will go back to studios. I, I didn't even, I have to look at yoga works. I didn't know anything. I mean, I knew they were hurting, but I didn't, I don't even know. Yeah, they, they um, don't quote me on it, but I know that all the New York ones closed. And I think, I think pretty much all of the national ones are closing wow. as of October 1st, but I yeah, might be wrong. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's well, and, and the article that points to yoga works and other ones was saying like, the yoga business was already, the yoga industry was already hurting to be a yoga studio owner because again, unless you pack in 90 people in a class and you're charging them a reasonable amount, um, there's so many, uh, you know, what I, I used to call kind of tar- Walmart yoga started about 10 years ago and it just really devalued the, the, the practice or the, you know, paying for this, this service. And it's hard to compete when, you know, somebody down the street is, you has a $5 drop in, you know, or something like, so I do think like we could come out of this, it'll just be reshuffled. But I think part of it is you're going to have to really have your game on to be able to compete in a new market. Because I think that, um, we do have to, if we're going to stay there and, and just be quote unquote, a yoga teacher, we're gonna have to elevate the the industry again and and really make great quality yoga, whatever that means. I I don't know if I have the answer for that. I think it's good that it is all of it is being called into question now. You know, the bad adjustments, the 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 these lineages, all these mostly men, horrible, 
you know, uh, leaders who have really abused the system and abused the students. Like, I think it all just like vomited in and now it's just going to re kind of settle and hopefully have a much better landscape. Yeah. I, I mean, I think what I've noticed just having business conversations with yoga teachers is their discomfort with things that they perceive to be wrong about promotion and what they are selling and all sorts of stuff. Those things are really what's going to get in the way. I would never be concerned about someone offering a $5 drop-in down, down the street. I, like the price, worrying about someone else's cheaper yoga wouldn't be my concern. The, yes. the I think, you know, if you can, a lot of it is like, you need to create a place and like a, a brand that people want to be affiliated with. And, 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 you know, I know that's like, once you start talking about capitalism and yoga and brand, people get upset and it's like, well, you're going to lose, like you're going to, you're not going to make it and, and, or you're going to be just struggling. And, and that's, and that's fine. If like, if, if you're, you know, if staying on that high horse is more important to you than actually succeeding in reaching the most amount of people and stay on the horse. I really don't care. But yeah. I, I think that you have to really sort of think about what, if you want to succeed, I think, I think there can be big studios that make a lot of money. I have a lot of thoughts about why yoga teachers don't make money. I think they don't sell enough. You need to sell more stuff to the students. Like you can't just rely on their class, them coming into classes or buy packages or whatever. There's got to be other things. You've got to, you, those people who come to yoga classes they will, you know, they'll bark at studios about pricing and all sorts of stuff, but they'll spend $125 on pants and stuff. So like they will spend money on yoga like things, but it's not, it's, it's, it's more about the reason that they'll spend $125 on pants is because that is that signal there, that signal of wearing those pants when they're out and about is belonging too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's there. They, that, that allows them to tell other people what kind of a person they are. And that is what it's, that's important to people. And it will always be important to people forever. So I think you have to give them a way for them to broadcast what type of person I am because I'm affiliated with this studio or this business. Yeah. And, that's, and, and a lot of that stuff is, a, is you figuring out what you are about, how you're different, you know, and then um, making something cool, ma- making something that people are proud to wear it's got yeah you, they, they gotta be proud to wear it in some way they gotta they gotta wear it if they don't wear it it's not gonna win can't mm-hmm. oh i like that well this is really good for all all of you yoga teachers out there who are either new to teaching and are now facing this you know new stage of of um the yoga professionalism is like take some notes from ryan and go go on his page and scour and also this course is available at any time right the the marketing course or not? No, there's actually, actually not anymore. We took that, that that's gone now. Oh, you'll have uh, to just, write and beg him to open it back yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have nothing to sell. I mean, yeah. I have, well, I have, if people want to find something to pay me for, I'm sure they can, I, but I don't have a, a product to pitch or anything. Um, but yeah, I, and I know a lot of this stuff is extreme and it's kind of like, it can be agitating to even hear some guys saying this, whatever about your favorite thing in the world. But I think you just have to take what you can from it. You know, like you, out you, Take what you can, and you sort of do what you will, and re- so you remain in integrity. Um, but I think sometimes you gotta push that edge a little bit. I totally agree, and I think you know, I think actually now is a lot more people are amenable to that than say you know three years ago or four years ago sure. when you started like revealing some stuff and writing some stuff up, and um, even when I started, I remember teaching you know at a big festival like ten years ago, and 
I could tell everybody loved what I was doing, but afterwards other yoga teachers were just like very, um, you know, just kind of prickly, you know? And I was just like, I don't, I don't care because I know I feel, I feel really solid about what I'm doing, which is really, I want people to be educated and empowered in their body so that they can move. Like you said, it, we want yoga to make you feel better, not worse. And a lot of the stuff just doesn't necessarily add up to that kind of movement. So what is your movement practice like now? If you're not necessarily doing yoga, do you um, have- It's simple. Well, it's less than it was before the pandemic stuff. You know, I, I, I always like going to the gym and that was where I did my best and most movement. So now it's, it's a lot of just uh, the things that I learned in FRC that I can do uh, at home. So it's like cars, routines, big circles, lots of like um, isometric kin stretchy type floor stuff. Uh, and that, I haven't gone, to, I haven't been to a gym since everything closed. So I, I am itching to kind of get back there, but it's just been simple. I've been just kind of maintaining. I've actually been working on some new stuff and it's required a lot of chair time and, and, and prints programming. And so I've been spending most of my time when I'm not doing client work, doing that. So you definitely, you need to be doing that stuff even more now. Oh, for sure. I, I, I yeah. I used to make it a habit, you know, like I, I, um, I'm working on this. It's a, a app for writing, but even before I started doing this, I've always like the reason that I'm making a writing app is because every single person that I've ever worked with ever, the one of the only things that every one of them does is there's writing involved. Always, always. It's the most important thing that we do. It's more important than if you want to get more yoga business, writing is more important than practicing yoga. So that's, I wanted to make an app to help people do that sort of writing. Um, and I used to make it a, a, I would set a timer to like remind me to get up every 15 minutes or whatever and do stuff. But I don't, I, I never, my writing is better if I don't do that. I have to stay, I can't stop. Like, I, I think it's like a cop out. I think writing is really painful and hard to do. And it's a lot of, because because I talked to so many moving people and everyone's always like you don't sit get up stand up da, da, da. so so that's they are spewing that advice so much and then when they do that I think it breaks their state too much so I I try I to totally do agree. I try to do more stuff le- uh, less frequently than do the whole like get up every fifteen minutes and move because I think if you really want to do deep thinking and deep writing and work that is prohibitive. What are you writing about? I'm just curious, like anything like, yeah, writing about anything really. Um, I mean, you know, I haven't been posting as much as I used to because I've been doing this stuff, but when I was, and I, and I, I know that I'm making a mistake by not posting at all. I've been kind of quiet, but a lot of it is just like writing content, writing, uh, even just like I write to think like, I, I can't really figure out what I am doing if I can't write. Like I, 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 I don't even know how people could possibly do that. People that don't write, I don't really understand how you get anything done. Like if I have an idea for something that I want to turn into something, I have to write it out to figure out what I have to see it. I'm the same way. I write everything out and I have millions of notebooks and I kind of know where they are based on, yeah, but it is, I can't, I can't process it otherwise. And because you, but you are doing this on an app, right? So it's, well, it's a, yeah, well, an app, it's a, it's an application right now. It's all, it's like a desktop app for writing on the keyboard. I think writing on the, writing on the phone is also, it's, you can't really be that serious about what you're writing. If you're yeah. only writing on the phone, like it's cool for notes and stuff. And I get it. And like, sometimes it just works, 
but there, sh- there should also be time when you sit down and if it's, I think the keyboard is better than a pen, but I think, I mean, a pen can be different or whatever, but I think that you have to be using that. So, so the, it's an application for, for right now it's for, uh, just, you know, desktop writing on a or laptop, whatever. Um, eventually I'm going to produce something for mobile for like just a limited set of features, but, um, it's mostly just for writing on the computer. So what made you, cause I, I was reading, I was researching a little bit about this, um, this app squirrel that you, again, I love that name that you came up with and, but you decided you were going to do all the coding for it. And yet you didn't have any coding background. That seems super ambitious. Like that's like a foreign language. So how did you decide, like, where do you start from there? Do you just like, I mean, you can Google a lot. Did you just Google like how to learn how to code? All Google. I mean, like, I, truthfully, I did. I did have some experiment experience with code. I, I got a computer in the mid '90s, like when the internet was kind of first starting AOL and stuff. And I, and I was a nerd then, and I got into like HTML. Like I can make like a basic web page and stuff, and I was able to do that. So I did understand it. I, I knew enough to Google. Like I knew enough to know to use Google well. But yeah, it's it's all like thousands and thousands of Google searches. If I would, I wonder how it would be interesting. There's probably a way to look it up. Um, how many Google searches I've done over the last six months, just like error messages. How do I do this? What's the, this? And I just find forums. There's somebody with the answer. Try it. Um, I, you can learn anything with Google. If you're, I think the main thing is like you need to be, uh, you need to be able to deal with a lots of frustration for, for long, long periods of time. If you can't handle that, it's not going to work. Um, I've, I did it because I, I like, I like, I, I'm, I definitely like have control issues and stuff, but that's not the, the in like where I, it was, it's hard for me to like delegate work, you know, but that's not really even the main thing. There's just, you know, code isn't just this like zeros and ones that makes a computer do something. Although it is, there's, there's also like personality that comes through in the product because of the way the code was written yeah. and like the way a button moves or the way an icon thing. And all of these, all of these things I think are, are really important. So my, my plan is not to continue like doing the coding myself forever. I, like I could never be as good as someone who's done it their whole life. And, and I do want to bring someone on, but I'd like to know, I like to know how it all works because it's just, it's easier to find help because you can, you're you're less annoying to talk to when you're when you know what you're talking about. I think this goes for any thing. Like, you know, um, when you know it a little bit, you're just a more easier person to work with. And you know when you're getting ripped off if you're hiring someone. There's all, there's all sorts of stuff that it comes with. Well, it's also just yeah, and it's also basic curiosity, which I think is um, kind of missing in a lot of a lot of people. Right, this whole like goes back to the yoga thing, like being told what to do. Um, why was Bikram so successful? He, he was yelling at people. He was um, really just breaking them down. And, and yet he had hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people signing up, paying lots of money. And there's something about this, like being told what to do is some kind of encoded in this n- lack of critical thinking and lack of curiosity. I think, you know, I'm not saying everybody is one or the other, but I think this curiosity of just, hey, let me, other people learn how to do this. They went to school, but maybe I can teach myself. I think, I think when you have that, um, whether it's a gene or a developed skill, it's you can apply to anything. Like, hey, I want to learn how to. My my daughter, like over the pandemic, like she took up sewing, 
And she just started like taking stuff apart and sewing it together and making shirts. And she just, but she has that skill set and she develops it by then applying it. And I think that there, you know, for some people like you, it would be easier for others. It would not, but I don't, I think it's a, like, I think you're probably somebody that's going to get curious about something else and go and do that. Not because you're done with this, but, and want to, you know, just have to move on, but you're just going to constantly be in this learning stage. Yeah. I'm not really sure what that is. I I think maybe there, I like to have as many tools as possible to be as valuable as possible because I think I just, it just gives you more power. Like in any situation you're in, the more things you can do, the more ways you can combine things into new things. That person in any is in any room is just important. You know, it might be because I always felt shy and nerdy and scared as a kid that I am just trying to like build up this toolkit. So I just feel, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I think just practically speaking, being curious, it's, it's good to know how to do a lot of things because you are just a more valuable ally Mm -hmm. and people want to be friends with you. And the more your friendship is worth the better you're going to end up with better friends. So for a little bit of a yoga question, I'm just actually genuinely curious. Like, do you feel like you have a, like a calling, a purpose? No, not, not really. I wouldn't really, I might, I wouldn't really call it that though. Um, I mean, I feel like over the, if you asked me that question five years ago, I've been like, hell no, that's hippie shit. I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) I mean, I, I feel like as I've grown a little, if there is anything, it's in, helping people speak up more. I was going to say that. I see that a lot in you, whether, yeah, I'm glad you identified it, but I see you in like, you're providing a service and it's a service of, of emboldening people. Mm -hmm. If there is one thing, I think that is the thing. And a lot of my work sort of revolves around that. Even the way I taught my yoga class and stuff, that that was my favorite form of feedback was, it was a a. 6am class. And when someone would go, they would leave at 7 a.m., go to work and do whatever. And while like getting a text from someone in the morning from work about something cool that happened because they felt good, those were way cooler than like anyone who said my back doesn't hurt now or something like that. I, I, I cared more about how it affected someone's day and their interactions with other people than I did anything else. Yeah, so that was actually the, the, the impetus, like the deciding moment for me when I decided I'm going to I was in teacher training just for fun. I, I did the marketing for them and I sold out the training. They just like, dude, if you want to do it, just do it. So I did. And we that was the first time that I had ever sat and meditated for longer than like five minutes. You know, We did like 30 or 40 minutes or something. It was after one of those days I was walking home and I noticed for the first time, like I was able to hold eye contact with people. The guy, that was always an issue that I had. I, so I was really self-conscious of like talking to someone like... Like I'm looking at their mouth, and like it was always this thing, and it was that day I was walking, and like as just like on the sidewalk, just like being able to hold eye contact. I was like, "Holy shit!" And it kind of like blew my hair back, and then I was just like, "I'll I'll, tr- I'll try it." They they were sort of encouraging me, like there was going to be a class opening up, but I was like, "I don't know." And it was that day that I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty cool." So yoga did do a lot for you. It sounds like yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah. No, and I I didn't mean to discount yoga. Is I love it. I think it the, the the, it, what it did for me, I'll, I would I would do it all over again, even though my body didn't move better after seven years. I didn't think I had the wrong goal in the beginning. 
which is fine, I guess, because I ended up in the right place. Yeah, and exactly. Whatever. Well, what I was going to say is that what I've always, what I have always liked about you is that no matter what you were saying, whether it was like a little pointed or not, not whatever critical or like some might say snarky, there was a heart to it. Like it wasn't just you, and that's a that's a hard balance to to walk. And I think you've done that really well where you're like just highlighting some things or calling people out or or just inviting them like, Hey, have, you know, have a little skepticism about this or shine a light to it. And you don't have to buy like drink the Kool-Aid, but you did it. Um, I I felt like, even though I didn't know you, I was like, this guy is, is a really nice guy. You know, he's just using this very humorous side as well. And I think that's what, what, what does shine through. So I ultimately, I think that you have had something in you all along that wanted to help people. Yeah, yeah I, I think, oh, thank you for that. I think so. I, I also think too that like I've, I've heard that before and the people who tend to say that are like the people who t- who are just more forgiving of certain things and they're able to see qualities in people that other people are. Because I definitely like did a lot of, said and did a lot of dumb shit and I drove a lot of people away and I did things that I, if I could do it, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't have said it in certain ways. But that right there, I mean, the fact that you even have the humility to know that, to me, I am somebody who sees the best in everybody. And I think that's one of my better qualities for sure is that, so yes, it was easy for me because I do see the best in people, but I I could see that. And there's a humility in saying, whoops, I went a little too far. Like that's totally forgivable in my, it's somebody who's like completely unable to see anything. uh, Like we all have, we've all made hiccups along the ways. And so I think growth yeah. is part of that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's one of the things that people sort of that gets in a lot of people's way is like they're they're using one of my core sort of tenets and stuff that I teach is like getting very clear about what your opinions are and, and finding the most black and white version of your opinion and posting it on the internet. And that is how you really attract the right people. It's black and white. There is no gray area. There is no wiggle room. It's this way. And it's if you don't do this way, you're wrong. And that's such a hard thing for people to do. I keep losing my train of thought. (laughs) You're like, you got me and I'm a nice person. No, it is. um, No, I love that idea because I think people are very, you know, we we have, I don't even think it's like a people-pleasing quality. It's our own ego-pleasing quality is that we don't want somebody to like, dislike us or disagree with us and so like to you know like i know when i'm around my people that know me well i have no problem saying all my opinions and i have strong opinions about how i think animals should should be treated or not be treated and i know when i if i post something that i'm gonna turn off some people because they don't want to hear that or they're going to take it from their own lens and i always weigh out like is this me talking? Is this ultimately going to benefit the animals the most? Because if that if that's my end game, then I I don't really I can't really be concerned whether or not somebody's going to be, you know, receive it the wrong way. But I I I will hesitate because I'm like I don't want, you know, I don't want to upset people because I know they're not ready to hear this or whatever. But I the, if the goal is ultimately this this higher thing, then I have to I have to operate from that. Yeah, that's where I was going when I forgot is that uh, you said that it's forgivable, you know, that things are forgivable and that people do forgive you. So, you know, even if someone does get upset by your black and white opinion, there's a pretty good chance that they will forgive you. And you and you can totally change your mind too. people are 100% willing to accept a brand new story and a brand new belief 
You see it all in politics all, all of the time. You know, so you can say something is a certain way today and then in a year say it's the opposite way with as much certainty and, and people will forget, they'll forgive, they'll accept a new position, especially if it's something that they like and they want to believe anyways. Um, so I think it's the, the fear of being unforgivable is something that stops a lot of people from just pulling the trigger. Yeah, I see that all the time with people. Um, I get a lot of teachers already been teaching for many years and they come and, you know, I don't teach things a certain way because of from my background as a PT and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been teaching it this long. I'm like, okay, so you're teaching it differently now. Who cares? Well, what are, what are my t- students going to say? I said, they're going to be grateful. You're going to say, hey, I, this I've learned this and I'm so excited because now like that, they, they're not going to hold you like, well, you taught us this way for five years. They will never say that. If you say this helps me and I want to share it with you, they're going to actually be more grateful because you, they're seeing that you're human and that you have a willingness to learn and change. And yeah, and it's not and even you care about that you care. Them. Yeah, most people, unless they're enforced by law to continue educating themselves, don't educate themselves. They know what they know from when they went to school or did their edu- did the certification, and they don't know anything else. So exactly. I think there is definitely that's an, an attractive an attractive quality. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times too, there's like. What what I I ended up sort of bandaging up the the wound in my class when I changed my teaching by just sharing more of store telling more stories and like sharing my training footage with Hunter when I was like my hip didn't move like was didn't move and I would just like post the videos of me moving horribly and share my own experience and I and I had a Facebook group with all of my students so I would make sure that they saw it so there's a lot of just like you know if you're going to change something. Give pe- tell people about why you're doing it, and t- you know, and, and 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 it requires more than just the time that you do it in the class or in the one-on-one session or whatever. Like that's why that's one of the ben- big benefits of social media is to stay in contact with your customers between sessions and use that time to educate them and share stuff that will help them buy in. You know, your story will most likely help a lot of them understand the reason why and then want to learn more. Well, I think you have so much to offer, and I know the listeners um, probably would loved hearing from you and can find you. Can you tell them where people can find you? Yeah, I think the, I mean, the easiest way is always just to Google my name. You know, you'll find a few links at the top you can click. You know, like Instagram, but Instagram is probably the place that you'd want to look to see my stuff. Um, At Ryan Rico is my name, and you'll find my sort of main account there. A lot of the yoga stuff, there was a point where I sort of splintered and I created this character called Yoga Sex Rock God. So if you just want to see like a stream of some of the weird yoga stuff at Yoga Sex Rock God, you'll see. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. So all this will be on the show notes for sure. But um, I just appreciate you. I just have always wanted to to meet you and talk to you and just tell you face to face how much I really have. It's not just admired. I just really was entertained and moved, you know, and right. And that's, yeah. And, and also really moved by like, it kind of was like a whew. All right. Somebody else is talking about this in a much more dramatic and um, in your face way. So it's kind of like, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, just for one final note, I think that's one of the funny things about all of that stuff was like, it was just, if people could look at me and say, if this guy can get away with saying that I could say that, like, what's the big deal? You know, I think that was one of the sort of big pieces of value that came out of Yoga Sex Rock on that whole 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just great. And I think more than anything was like, let's not take ourselves so seriously, like no matter what. And especially in this day and age, like let's just really be kind to each other, call each other out when we're acting like some kind of like, you know, narcissistic pompous, you know, a-hole in the, in the yoga world. Um, and just be, be kind and, and like, you know, fumble through this life together in trying to, you know, learn more like you definitely are doing. And, um, I just so appreciate you taking the time and also your app is squirrel, which I love that. And, and people can just find that. Is that on Android and on, um, it's only a web app now. So it's just on any oh, okay. browser. So, so you, but eventually it'll be that, but yeah, you'll, you'll find that when you find my name. If yeah. Like yeah. That, that'll again, I can't wait to look at it because I just want to see something you've created. I think there's something so powerful about inventing something. Exactly. You know? People that don't care about the thing. If I made a tire for a car, Right now, people would want to buy the tire because they'd be like, what the hell is Ryan making tires? I know. It's so fun to me. I, I have a bra, by the way. It's a patented bra, and it will be out one of these days. And I was on the, I had a meeting today, and one of my team members, you know, he's a guy, he's like, can we just give up on the bra? And I'm like, no. When this actually comes to fruition, getting a patent, getting, I mean, it's been three years. It's just so crazy. But I, like I can just like rest my hat for a while because I've been in, I, I'm a technically an inventor and I think it's so fun. So I really well, admire you doing what you did. Well, thank you very much, and I want to say thank you for having me on too because I've I've had a number of people who have reached out to me to ask me to be on a podcast in a weird way where I just like ignored it or said no, but also people who were like, I wish I could have you on my podcast, but my audience would get mad. Sort oh, of vibes that's happened so many times. Really? So I, yeah. Oh my god. From, well, there's less lately because I have been speaking to yoga teachers less, but when I was really going hard on yoga stuff, a lot of the yoga podcasts, I'm friends with the people who publish them. And that was the thing. Like, I, I can't. So. You, you were, yeah. You were polarizing. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm happy to have you on. I love having, you know, because I, I, because it's your critical thinking. And I just, I think you did it in, in a way that was um, really revolutionary at the time i think that you certainly paved the way for a lot of people so i appreciate that well i appreciate you saying that all right can't wait to hang out one of these days when i come to la we will we will all right be well and to everybody out there as always i'm pulling for you the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.